0: on the show today case krauthoff thematic chair for sustainable food for summa equity former member of unilever global executive team and also co-founder of imagine and live kindly collective a global plant-based food company and with us is also my co-host Rainier Indal, founder and managing partner of Suma Equity. So today we'll talk about the transformation of the global food system. But first, a warm, warm welcome to you, Case. Great to have you here.
1: Yeah, it's great, great to be here, and uh, uh, fantastic to be together on uh, uh, this uh, absolutely critical th- theme. Uh, and uh, great that you do this, uh,
0: and great to have you on board, uh, Case.
2: Great to
1: be on board. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's truly fresh and so important. So, Case, you have a long career uh, history with UliLiver, working in very senior roles since the early 2000s. And you were based in countries across Europe and Africa, Asia, Latin America and the US. And now you just joined SUMA as thematic chair uh, and you are also a board member in several companies. And all of that with the aim to build sustainable food system. And of course, I can see a red line here. But I'm still curious, uh, where are you on your life work journey? And, and I'm also curious about your passion.
1: Yeah, thank you for uh, for asking the question. You know, uh, clearly what uh, the world is on uh, on the biggest need on uh, and the biggest challenge here is around uh, climate change and inequality. And so if there's one thing, you know, it all led us up uh, to those t- two big uh, challenges. Um, and I, over the last thirty years, have really, really come to the conclusion that the most important part uh, to be able to help uh, to change and to uh, to address those challenges uh, is truly through business. And so that is uh, basically uh, the last thirty years. If you think about it, you know NGOs will play a critical role, and obviously uh, legislators and uh, and governments are uh, are key. But the ultimate force. Uh, to be able to address uh, these challenges is really about business. So my first real passion is all about, um, you know, business as a force for good. And you ask, you know, uh, where and how does that sit on my uh, life story? Well, you know, uh, that obviously can only start with my mother, uh, if you ask about my life story. And, you know, my mother is a very Calvinistic Dutch uh, mother. And so with every spoon uh, she fed me, Uh, I actually was raised with this uh, logic about never waste and never waste your talents. And so from that logic, she also then said, and take those talents and put it actually at surface to society. And so, as I said, over the last 30 years, uh, I have come to the conclusion is that uh, basically, if you think about it in three circles, uh, one, what is the world's biggest hunger? Uh, As we say, that is around climate change and inequality. And uh, there's all these sub-elements in there. But very clearly, you know, there's one system uh, which needs to make a contribution from a broken system into a more sustainable system, and that is uh, our food and agriculture system. If you see that as one circle and then you draw a second circle, and that is about, you know, my experience uh, of 30 years being part of that food system, and it's interesting because when you are part of a system, you have really clear blind spots. And I was basically blind on some of the issues in the food system. But as you say, is that the moment is that you can see it, you cannot unsee it, and therefore you need to really act. And then there is a third circle, uh, and that is really uh, around you know my network and you know uh, the whole. Uh, expertise which you have built up and so if you think about these three circles at the core of the core is actually the transformation of food and so two big passions one is business as a force for good and the second one is really helping do my part in terms of changing a broken food system
2: so case okay, so when did you sort of open your eyes and become awakened around the problems and and what uh... What caused it? You know, it's,
1: uh, it's interesting um, because uh, we were part of, uh, of the global Unilever system. Uh, and very clearly in Unilever, uh, we were focused on the Unilever Sustainable Living Plan and uh, really wanted to be a force uh, for, for good. Uh, and so all this around uh, what needs to happen in the total value chain and be uh, part of, uh, of the change in food was clearly part of that thinking. What I never realized, actually, uh, is the negative impact that, uh, which the animal-based food system had on the world. And, you know, the moment is that uh, I founded uh, a global plant-based food system. You learn, uh, you unlearn, and you learn again. And so, you know, this uh, this was the time uh, that you really see, you know, uh, in Brazil, uh, obviously, you know, 90% of the Amazon of the deforestation is uh, is linked to it. Uh, but also things like uh, in India, I never knew is that, uh, you know, in India, the country, obviously, where uh, the cow is uh, absolutely sacred uh, is that that had become, you know, one of the top five uh, exporters uh, of, uh, of uh, meat uh, because of, you know, the whole dairy, which became part uh, of, uh, of, of the, their uh, food diet. And so, you know, those type of things are just so unbelievably shocking. And whilst we realize is that over the last 50 years, population has doubled, uh, output of uh, capacity of uh, the agriculture, uh, capacity has tripled. You know, lots have been achieved, but the issue of the unintended consequence is just absolutely horrific. Uh,
2: And when did you change what you eat? I changed actually uh,
1: in the middle of 2019. And that's interesting. You know, I um, I used to uh, always be very, very active and uh, and, uh, an athlete in terms of sports. But you see is that the moment is that you change your diet once again. You know, you see how your performance goes up. I ran 10 marathons, uh, climbed many uh, of uh, all kinds of mountains. Uh, and ultimately, you see is that uh, this whole notion about how diet and performance also uh, influences that. So uh, I have stopped eating uh, eating meat uh, from the, t- uh, the middle of 2019. What was also interesting is that you see a, a real changing of families eating. Uh, very often is uh, like uh, girls between 12 and 16 years old. They are actually, you know, the ones who drive the change in many families that they say uh, to their parents, you know, I just don't want to eat uh, animals anymore. Uh, And you see is that that changes uh, the whole family. So out of my five daughters, uh, you've always seen, you know, uh, they range between 27 uh, and 14. But you see the 14 uh, year old and the younger ones are actually the more activist part. So uh, that is uh, uh, my, my change has been. Uh, fully supported uh, by, uh, by the, the smaller girls.
0: case is um, the solution that we all go on that route, or is there, I mean, what other solutions do you really believe in? Uh, and what do these solutions actually require of the food industry and also ask of me as a consumer? Yeah, no, look,
1: uh, very clearly, it's a wicked problem. And so Mm. any wicked problem will have multidimensional parts, which has to be resolved. Mm. And so if you think about uh, the reality is uh, in the food system, what are the real, real problems? So we believe is that there are six real problems uh, in the broken food system. So the first one is 800 million people go to bed hungry. Two and a half billion people are food insecure. And these numbers are just staggering. The true cost of the system is also, you know, uh, uh, much more difficult to grasp once you double click on it. So the point is, is that uh, dairy and meat are being subsidized. uh, And if we give the planet a voice uh, and you get the true cost, therefore, of the system, you know, it's significantly higher, obviously, than uh, anything uh, being seen. The human health part. Uh, where many people uh, believe is that more than 20 percent of the total health costs uh, in the world are directly related uh, to food. Just to talk about sugar as one of the examples, uh, and then you know the alternative of sugar aspartan. You know you go in, uh, from one bad to uh, to the other. Uh, then, you know, uh, one third of all the food has been wasted. And that actually is all across the, the value chain. It's all the way upstream, all the way uh, downstream with uh, uh, with the consumers. Uh, as we said, you know, there's a, a whole issue uh, around uh, how protein and animal-based protein and the impacts are, uh, there. Uh, and if you all add this up, you know, 34% of the total greenhouse gases in the world are directly or indirectly being uh, associated to the current food system. So that truly is a wicked problem. And so to be able to then resolve the wicked problem, it's all about how you change the total system. And so many parts of the system uh, need to uh, then uh, change. Uh, And, you know, ultimately, you need to create many thrusts uh, behind that. One, it's truly uh, from an animal to a plant-based uh, food system. But make it actually a little bit broader. Uh, and that is just, you know, a, a, a less uh, and a lower emission protein, because protein is obviously absolutely vital for, uh, for, for the human body. But also, if you think about, uh, you know, what needs to do happen on farming uh, between, you know, global supply chain, which is broken more towards local farming, Regenerative farming uh, is an absolutely critical uh, part of it. What you need to start to think about is uh, how you really go to a more uh, uh, ch- changing the waste out of the system. And uh, Suma has a, uh, an absolute uh, first investment there in terms of uh, Holbart, uh, where you already see is that, you know, uh, where it is fruits or other products which are uh, very close to going off is that, you know, these are being created in a new system and then the consumer actually embraces that uh, through uh, that uh, unique retailer. So there's always many ways to be able to uh, to look at the problem, many critical parts to be able uh, to change it. But uh, to your point, definitely from an animal to a plant-based or actually a protein revolution uh, is a very, very critical uh, part of it. To say the other Critical one is obviously, you know, how do we get to a more healthy and nutritious diet all around uh, the world? So these are just some key drivers of uh, why and where we are on this wicked problem uh, and some key drivers to be able to help to change the system for the better
0: and when you were over all these years at the unilever uh, working with sustainable living plan and also your different initiatives through imagine together with paul polman all of those experiences what what is the, like the main insight that you bring from from that period of your life
1: yeah we actually uh, uh, had many many learnings we started the unilever sustainable living plan uh, already mm. in uh, uh, early 2009 And so obviously, you know, a time uh, where this was uh, truly, you know, on the forefront of the thinking about, you know, business as a force uh, for good, especially on such a large scale. And so, of course, Unilever uh, has a 50 billion revenue, uh, 150 billion plus market cap uh, with uh, more than 170,000 people all around the 180 countries around the world. And uh, uh, you basically really look at that uh, as early in that uh, in that journey. So many, many learnings, uh, which is difficult uh, uh, to summarize. But I think we can summarize it in, uh, in three ways. The first one was around courageous leadership. And courageous leadership starts with is that you have a very clear North Star. And so what we said is we will double Unilever uh, and at the same time we will have our environmental footprint and at the same time increase our social impact and so that was very very clear is that we went out and we were very very clear about our point of view of the world and that that also was is that you should take responsibility for the totality of your value chain and once again we talk 2009 so very early on uh, into uh, that journey so that's the first uh, thing the second uh, one is basically the core thought is that we need to put purpose at the core of your business model so this is not like you know adjacent but it actually needs to be there where your economic system really works and in fast-moving consumer goods uh, as unilever is in you know money is being created truly through you know basically the relationship between a brand And a consumer. And because of that unique relationship, you can actually get premium pricing. You can uh, get, you know, pricing power out of that. And because of that, you know, you have the ability to uh, create superior performance and results. And so what we did is we put purpose at the core of that business model. And that is around brands. Lifebuoy is not about uh, a soap, but it is actually helping to save lives. In India, because, you know, uh, the the girls and boys uh, needed to, through hygiene, actually didn't uh, get and they reached the age of five. And so when you put it at the core of your business model, suddenly, you know, it is uh, truly holistic. And so the second uh, point after courageous leadership is putting purpose at the core of where performances, performance and purpose are actually one of the same uh, thing. And the third one was all really about transparency. And, you know, to have uh, the courage to be able to be very, very clear about your targets, to be able to reach it. We had 50 targets and we tracked it and we put that 100 percent transparent. And, you know, the reality is, is that we never uh, know what you need to do in 10 years uh, time frame. Many of the things We just didn't know, but we put very, very clear targets in there. And we showed the progress against that. And so once that you're really clear in terms of uh, the transparency and that you are clear about the progress, that really is critically important. The other thing is that we were very inclusive. And so all of the stakeholders were part of the total uh, debate. And so we actually... Uh, we're also part of uh, helping the uh, United uh, Nations Sustainable De- Development Goals to create. And so once again, it was a multi-stakeholder. So three things, courageous leadership. The second one is purpose at the core of your business model. And the last one is transparency, progress and inclusiveness.
0: Great case. How much of this have you actually seen evolving in the food industry now lately?
1: You know, I think um, uh, if you if you look at, at the bigger companies, uh, whether that is uh, the, uh, the Danone's or uh, the, the, mm-hmm. the Nestle's of, or the Unilever's of this world uh, or the Pepsi, uh, everybody has very, very clear uh, targets uh, being set. And so that is good. You know, the reality uh, that business is mm-hmm. responsible and has to be a force for good is very, very clearly uh, there. Having said that, you know, the progress is far, and far too slow. And, you know, if you think about uh, regenerative agriculture, if you think about, you know, one of the biggest issues which we have around the world is is that the oceans have become deserts and our soil is totally depleted. And that is also because of the fertilizers and and the practices which we have. And whilst there's lots of commitment there, there's actually an absolute slow progress on it. Regenerative farming, aid farming practices are absolutely the way to, go, to look and go for it. Uh, look what is happening in terms of organic food. It's hardly developed uh, still. What we need to make sure is that nature comes back to its true power. And that is true. And I've seen that with my own uh, eyes. You know, the mono uh, culture around soy, around corn and around sugar. Is something which we really, really need to uh, need to change. One of the ways, uh, actually, uh, is if you start uh, to uh, to create crop rotation. You know, the soil is so rich, and it uh, creates a complete rejuvenation of it. I've seen it in South Africa where we had been planting for years and years absolutely only sugarcane. And we change that into uh, yellow peas or we see, see that again in Croatia where you change it into fava beans. The moment that you let these crops go into, you know, uh, the crop rotation, but these crops are unbelievably strong. They actually take the nutrients out of the air and put it back into the soil. And so that is the way to be able to totally uh, change it. And so these practices really need to change. We need to get out of the uh, and and truly unlearn what we are doing on our fishing practices uh, and uh, on our farming uh, practices, especially around, you know, really changing that into a regenerative system.
0: And what is the biggest uh, enemy or argument against that that uh, is out there? You know,
1: uh, uh, there's always uh, lots of uh, arguments uh, of a, a legacy system. And so I have now, you know, after my uh, uh, last 30 years of, uh, uh, of being part of business, I have really come to the conclusion is that human beings truly want to do the best thing, but they are really, really looking at it through their own point of view. And so your viewpoint actually for, uh, creates your point of view. And so uh, that is the first uh, uh, realization. So changing the legacy system is absolutely hard because the incentives and everything what is in the old system is just so incredibly strong. So if you ask what is, you know, preventing us from going there, is actually the force of the legacy system, in my view, is the biggest thing. The Mm -hmm. second part is that there's always investments needed to be able to change from one system uh, to the next. And so, you know, if you think about uh, part of the total system is always the finance structure around it. And so also the finance structure really, really needs to uh, change. And then the third part is that through, you know, the startup cost to be able to create scale. One of the best things which we have currently in the food system is that we have so much skill that we have low cost and skill in the system, but you need to get the next generation at the same lowest imaginable cost system. So just think about, you know, that single uh, farmer, how do you go from, you know, your current practice, taking the risk to go to a next practice, then, you know, getting the cost into the next practice and that needs to be pre-financed whoever gonna go and do pre-finance i personally believe is that things like soil restoration credits and therefore really putting that further downstream into the proposition so that we can actually start to pre-finance these are the ways to be able to start to unlock a system but the the fact is that that flywheel which is so fundamentally important to get that going, really needs to get unlocked. And so if you have an old legacy system uh, with all the incentives and a financing structure, which sits in the old, uh, and is that actually the flywheel is and needs the oil and the real start, that is where we sit in terms of you know how to unlock the, the, the full system.
2: I, I would add to that case is that you know, we are so, uh, food ingredients is a commodity and we are chasing the lowest cost. And uh, we are purely focusing on efficiency and, uh, and cost. Absolutely. And like we have in other supply chains where, uh, where you know, we have now legislation against uh, uh, child labor, for example. But do we have legislation against uh, really being predative on, uh, on our topsoil and just, uh, you know, exactly. we, we are just uh, uh, chasing cost at an insane level. And I read a great book called What Has Nature Ever Done For Us? That does the calculation of if, what's the true cost of goods sold in products that we have. Exactly. If you factored in, you know, the sun uh, and the photosynthesis and uh, and the water and the nutrients in the soil and what the soil gives, then you get a true cost uh, of goods sold, right? But the way we yeah. do, do farming and and uh, our fertilizers, um, there is no cost of goods sold other than just you know w- the cost to harvest it and, and the fertilizing cost. We don't factor in what nature actually does for us, and we don't look at the long-term perspective of if this soil can regenerative recreate over and over and over again that's a, that's a value to us we just uh, put in our fertilizers move on to the next uh, area and and chase the lowest cost
1: yeah and uh, these are very important points and uh, so if you double click on the fertilizers you know after the second world war it was very very important to be able to really feed uh, uh, the planet in terms of the rebuilding uh, and so it had its you know, uh, it's it's merit. Uh, But the point is, is that after now uh, 50 years later, you see what an unbelievable negative impact it has. The opposite is also true, is that once you start to really crop rotate, once you really get the power of nature, actually the yield becomes uh, uh, higher than it is than what we have with fertilization. So I think that's the first uh, uh, really point. And then, you know, there's obviously, you know, one other point, and that is habitious consumers. And so ultimately, we need to shift the consumer. And if you think about the total uh, food system, uh, I always say there's three uh, most important C's in the food system uh, to be able to change. The first one is the the conscious consumer. The second one, as we've just talked about, is uh, the really the true cost of the system. Uh, And the third one is the courageous leadership. But if you look at it from a conscious consumer, you know, there's uh, some of the thoughts are there is that basically it is so habitual? Consumers only make 12, on average, 12 recipes in a whole year. And so what you therefore need to do is to create new habits within the current structures and help to be able to understand, you know, what will happen. And so the consumer, as we always say, the consumer is the boss. And what we need to create is value propositions, which on taste and uh, nutritional value and on cost are actually compatible, and then you will see is that the consumer will help in a dramatic way to be able to help to, to, uh, to shift the system.
2: But, uh, case, what took you so long then? If that's what's needed to change the consumer habits? I mean, you started working with this in 2009, and you said you changed your consummen- consumption patterns in 2019. So it took 10 years before you changed
1: yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's what I why I, I talked about the blind spot, because actually uh, I never realized is that you know this whole animal based food system which I was part of, uh, is that that was part of uh, uh, of the issue. And you know as as uh, naive as you can have it, uh, but you know you can only better you know once you know it is that you start to change. But it do, it does talk about you know how completely dominant the legacy system is. Uh, Because, you know, in our uh, uh, Unilever system, we actually did not think through the lenses as we are talking it now. What we did, we talked about palm oil, very important, you know, we know is that uh, that was one of the biggest issues. And so in that sense, you know, we were really uh, helping to change it in terms of, you know, uh, uh, what needs to do uh, in the round table for sustainable palm. So many of these things are also absolutely key. Uh, but, you know, there's absolutely one step further uh, to uh, to really realize is that uh, there's much more change needed.
0: Rainer. With this um, sustainable food um, approach now and the thematic chair that that case is going to be for sustainable food for Summa, what do you want to achieve there? What is your dream? So
2: we are approaching this from a theory of change perspective and looking at sort of quantifying what are the issues and and the system today and how do we make a system change to get to uh, the situation that we want. And and as uh, Case was saying, this is a wicked problem. So, and we talked about uh, consumers needing to change, and and that's not an easy task. But if you look at our farming practices, if you look at uh, you know the lobbying of the food industry, and uh, I was uh, talking the other day, um, uh, I was um, at a vineyard with a friend of mine, and and uh, you know the whole organic industry, uh, and. Uh, w- and what is being put as sort of the standards for being classified as an organic. And then you realize that this is something that have, uh, people have been lobbying about because they want to make the organic side as expensive as possible and as small as possible. So it doesn't threaten the main system. And then, uh, and then you look at the whole supply chain and you, you look at uh, how ingredients are moving all over the world and the CO2 footprint of that. There's, there's so many complex issues. So what I would like is that we just change all of it and we're all starting eating healthy and, and local uh, tomorrow. Great. Great
0: to hear. I totally agree on that. Uh, there is a lot of collective intelligence around this um, uh, area as well. Uh, and I'm thinking, how can you tap into this collective intelligence and create real systems change in, in, uh, in food systems?
1: Yeah, so I think... You know, uh, every part of the system uh, needs to help uh, to change, and so uh, the first and most important thing is really what we've just talked. It's about the consumers. It is about making sure is that the consumer proposition uh, is there. But we are lucky here because uh, basically uh, the Gen Z and uh, uh, and and the millennials they are really, really on the forefront of this uh, uh, awareness curve, uh, and therefore they are starting to make uh, their their true co- the their true choices. But that is definitely a key and a first driver. of it. The second part is the financing uh, system. And so if we think about, you know, uh, where uh, the financing structure uh, sits, uh, it starts all the way on the top. Uh, and so if we think about, you know, institutional investors, if we think about pension funds, very clearly, you know, to be able to uh, make And they're aware in terms of how uh, they can help to truly uh, change is absolutely key. And so uh, it's very clearly also a a fiduciary responsibility uh, and we need to redefine it like that. We need to redefine what success looks like. And therefore, you know, the one dimensional Friedman uh, logic needs to go Away, and we need to go to multi-dimensional parts. Not only on risk and return, but obviously uh, there where also impact is a real driver of it. We really need to make sure is that we get into a system uh, where we go uh, not from quarter to quarter, but we're taking a longer term of investment. And the good news is that if you do sort of five to seven years investment cycles, uh, that is a much better way to be able to help to start to change the system so consumers and capital are the most vital ones if we don't change consumers and capital the system will stay but there's many enablers who can help to be able to uh, to support it and for sure you know uh, the legislative part uh, needs to also uh, change just you know getting true cost transparent into the system it is absolutely clear is that, you know, today's subsidies uh, and the lobby around that needs to totally change. The EU Green Deal is obviously a good, ex- a, a good start of it. Uh, and then, you know, uh, obviously uh, the US starting to support part of this. But it needs to go very specific all the way into changing uh, the uh, subsidies and putting VAT where it belongs. You know, it's just ridiculous—is that uh, plant-based chicken versus animal-based chicken in uh, in Germany? You know, the VAT on the animal-based uh, chicken uh, is half of that of the plant-based chicken, so you get it basically three times. So legislators uh, need to uh, to start to support uh, really what uh, what needs to uh, needs to be there, and then ultimately competitiveness needs to get at the core of the change. We need to really uh, uh, create uh, the logic and as we are talking about that, and that is where we come from, is that basically business as a force for good, putting it at the core of your business model and then driving that from you know startup to scale up to uh, to global multi 1000000000 businesses where every product which is being sold has actually been part of uh, uh, of a positive impact so again, you know multi dimensional uh, of its nature, uh, but for sure, uh, the biggest part which uh, needs to change uh, is really about uh, helping to create uh, and to support the conscious consumer uh, and uh, the capital
0: system. So, what is on your to-do list right now for Suma? <laughs> That's but a first. great
1: question. <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, there's there's many. Uh, so, the first thing is uh, where we started, and that is uh, the, the theory of change. And really, you know, starting to further understand the wicked problem Uh, and, uh, you know, out of that, uh, not only the the dimensions, but also our strategic intent. And so our strategic intent on uh, Suma Equity uh, is uh, really uh, to position ourselves as a a net positive thematic investor, which can catalyze collective action uh, that really uh, truly transforms the broken food and agriculture system. And as such, help to reduce um, and really uh, make sure is that we contribute to the one and a half degrees uh, climate targets. We think is that, you know, timelines uh, uh, like to do that until 2035 is, you know, what it uh, really needs. So that's the first point is the theory of change and what, you know, our intent is very specific, then uh, uh, translated into investment themes. And then from investment themes, we are looking at, you know, where and how uh, we really have investment opportunities. And the good thing is, is that, you know, uh, there is many of them. There's so many unbelievable, you know, great initiatives uh, into, you know, already to scale up. And you need to think about total system ourselves as well. Which means is that when you start to actually invest into one, two, three, and create platforms out of it to be able to be able to combine, you know, the capabilities, whether that's up and downstream coming together, or whether it is as we were talking about the organic food system, where you really, you know, need consolidation, but also all the way back to a scale at uh, at the farmers. That is what we are looking at and really building a program to be able to say, you know, here is where we can uh, truly invest. And so that is uh, where uh, we are in the in the process. It's a super exciting time uh, because, you know, uh, wicked problems always also create unbelievable opportunities. And you will see is that This industry is actually much less disrupted than many other industries. And that in itself means that it is not easy. Otherwise, it would have been done already. But it also creates a huge opportunity for disproportionate value creation, which we can give back both, you know, to society, to the planet, but also to our uh, investors and the LPs, because ultimately... That is how the total system can change purpose and performance are absolutely one hundred percent linked uh, and it's up to us to be able to show that, but not only show that but at the same time we will demonstrate and talk about it because that voice and basically you know being therefore a much bigger impact than our direct impact is also absolutely part of uh, why and who we are
2: and um Uh, obviously, that we all sort of stop eating meat and going plant-based would be great for the planet. But there is a lot of things we can do on the way there. If you look at sort of um, uh, salmon farming and the aquaculture industry, which uh, we have done some investments in, one of the key issues there is the feed to uh, salmon and, and the ingredients. And um, and how to, to get both nutritious feed into it, but also some that is more sustainable than, uh, than what we're using. Also in the, on the ingredient side, uh, the consumer, want, uh, they, if they notice anything, they will notice that it's slightly better and they're eating exactly what they're eating. And uh, this can be produced from more sustainable sources using uh, regenerative farming practices, having a uh, better uh, type of fertilizers, uh, more nutritious. So there's a lot that can happen on the ingredient side, uh, both on, uh, on, on animal feed, pet food, and on human consumption before we need to change some of the, um, uh, the habits of, uh, of the consumer. And I do think we need to change the habits of the consumers um, as well. But um, I don't know what you think, Case, but I was discussing uh, actually today with one of the investors in, in one of the um, alternative meat companies. And there was a big sort of upturn during the pandemic where um, the, uh, the indication was quite positive for the Beyond Burgers and, uh, and those products. But since the pandemic, that has uh, cooled off a bit. So we were all optimistic on, 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 the con- uh, on the consumer change and habit change and going more plant-based. But any sort of reflections on what is happening in, in, uh, in that whole market uh, lately?
1: Yeah, look, uh, it's obviously a, a critical uh, part of, uh, the, of uh, the protein uh, revolution. So let me um, you know give you a short and a long answer. The first one is the short answer, and that is, The product ultimately was just not competitive and good enough. It's as simple as it is. And take it, especially in the meat side of it, you know, the alternative in terms of plant-based, the taste was not good enough. The nutritious uh, values was not good enough because there was too much salt in it. uh, And ultimately, the pricing was not competitive. So you can look at it in many ways, you know, but ultimately it was about the proposition, which was just not good enough yet. You compare that with uh, you know uh, the the transformation in electrical cars, you know the the change and Tesla obviously cracked the code completely because that was you know on all uh, these elements and so ultimately you know uh, the short answer here uh, is that uh, the consumer proposition was just not good enough uh, yet. There's also a long answer. But uh, before then, you go to
2: the but, the long answer, one reflection that I have: so my daughter is vegetarian. Yeah. And I made it sort of a goal to make the best burger for her, yeah, and I'm not trying to make a beyond burger which tastes like you know meat burgers that I eat. She's never had those. I'm just trying to make the best burger, and you know when you use all the ingredients, the plant based the you know mushrooms, the red beet, you know all the stuff, you can make some fantastic burgers that I think is much better than uh, the meat burgers that I eat, so. I think we're doing ourselves a disfavor by trying to replicate something yeah. with uh, and calling it plant-based. It just makes something that's just better.
1: Yeah. No, I, th- I think there's, there's some insight in, uh, in what you said. So we've done consumer uh, research all, all around the world, basically, on this. And ultimately, you know, uh, the, the answer of the consumer was is that this is uh, in terms of taste Uh, nutrition and pricing just not competitive enough. So, you know, I think uh, both is uh, uh, true in that sense. But go to the bigger thought which you have. And that is, you know, what we need as human beings is we need to have a balanced diet. We need to have a diet uh, with the right uh, carbs in there, with the right protein in there uh, and all the different elements of our balanced diet. And so that means is that, you know, don't need to imitate, but you just need to have, you know, the right amount of proteins in uh, in your diet. Because the consumer is so habitual, you know, there is the thought where you say, is that just do the easy swap. And that means is that you take the 12 uh, top dishes which you have uh, and, you know, uh, say that that is pasta pesto with uh, chicken and you change that into uh, plant-based chicken. That's relatively easy uh, swap. So there, you know, the logic is, is that there is a segment and this is how consumer uh, and real, um, you know, fast moving consumer goods works is that there are different segments uh, where different logic actually appear. Some people really say, you know, I want to go to the next generation of a total uh, food diet uh, with the next generation of products, including protein. You can think about, you know, uh, protein soup. You can think about protein pasta, uh, and so then in your pasta you have both the carbs uh, and the protein already. In uh, soup, you know, you have both your vegetables uh, and uh, your protein. So that is bas- basically a next generation of product uh, which you know we will evolve uh, into. But you also have you know those who want to continue to eat uh, what they are doing, and then uh, also changing it into plant based, and that means is that there's a different segment which basically says is that you know add a plant based burger or uh, mincemeat uh, or uh, or chicken uh, needs to be you know uh, the easy swap what they do now, but then in plant based. So that's basically uh, a part of uh, of the evolution going back to you know, uh, at the, the reality around uh, what has happened. For sure, you know, in this uh, frame uh, and after COVID, we need to realize is that we had obviously, you know, fuel prices going up, food inflation uh, becoming a, a real issue around the world. And once these things are, are happening, consumers are absolutely reassessing you know, what they are buying, including, you know, when they are starting to, uh, uh, to to move into a different segment. So that is part of the reason why you have seen is that, you know, uh, basically uh, the market uh, for, uh, for plant-based has, uh, uh, has started to go down. There's one other part which we have now seen is that consumers actually, they were and they thought is that it was not only, you know, good to go from animal to plant, but also that it was more healthy. And they have now, those who really care, they have now found out is that, you know, in the uh, in the of this uh, world uh, or in the plant-based meat, you know, the first one is too much sugar. The other one is too much salt. And so this notion about, you know, is it really healthier? That is why you see always in these, uh, uh, these changes, you have a 1.0, a 2.0 and a 3.0 version. So the first 1.0 is often a good idea, but just doesn't work yet. The 2.0 is often a good idea. It starts to work. It's not sustainable yet. And the 3.0 is really a good idea. It absolutely indeed works. And it is also sustainable. And you will see that. You know, we had the same in the internet, in the boom and bust. What we all knew is that we would end there. You just need to make sure that you optimize uh, that system and that is also what you will see here we are 100 percent sure is that we will enter uh, but we just need to go through these innovation cycles that is uh, basically how it will uh, work and also this market will have the natural evolution to go into that next generation of its development
2: phase yeah i still feel that we are a long way from from getting there so there's so many of these of course, Sub, uh, wicked problems we have to fix in the food system. So uh, it's going to take yeah. time.
1: And that's and that's uh, that's where, you know, leadership needs to be. That is where, you know, uh, lots of uh, uh, of of lots of hard work needs to come. Uh, but it is absolutely right. Uh, but that also shows the opportunity, as uh, uh, as we've always said.
0: Yes, talking about leaders um, and leadership what makes a leader in our times and and what do you think really what does it mean to to lead well today? Yeah
1: look I think uh, it starts with uh, having a true north uh, star and you know being uh, absolutely uh, values driven uh, and that is you know uh, the most important uh, part and you know along the, the, the right you will always have your difficulties but You know, really having the ability to stay true to your North Star uh, is uh, the fundamental first thing uh, which leaders leaders need to have. The second one, I think more and more um, uh, than uh, in previous uh, decades, it is to truly understand, uh, you know, the complexity and the multidimensional part of of leadership uh, and therefore also to have the ability uh, to lead in collaboration, to lead in partnership and to think total system. Uh, actually, you know, uh, a, a big uh, way of uh, what we said in, uh, in the SDGs, uh, SDG number, se- number 17 is all about partnerships and the ability to think through bigger system and in partnership is so fundamental uh, for uh, for these days uh, in leadership. The next one is all about you know how innovation uh will uh, happen and how creativity will sit uh in that uh, in that system and you know what's interesting in my view is that when you think about uh, both in collaboration and truly you know a different and a diverse way of uh, of li- of, uh, of leading is where you know we need more female leadership and that is absolutely critical once again uh, because we will get uh, by, ha- by having that uh, more dimensional and multi-dimensional thinking uh, uh, into uh, the total system and so it's a complete uh, different way uh, of leadership uh, we call it level five leadership uh, and that is you know you start uh, from society uh, and you know and, uh, it is critically important is that you take your personal agendas out of it and that you have a servant Leadership as Mandela uh, has been uh, showing. And of course, you know, if we start to talk about that, uh, this is really about, you know, at uh, uh, when it is, uh, uh, you know, impossible. Uh, uh, it is impossible until it's done. Uh, and then I think is that as Obama said, you know, he summarized this so beautifully, in my view, uh, to talk about um, a real leadership uh, is to be courageous, to be useful and to be kind. And what a beautiful way to summarize it.
0: So to take a little bit of a even a bigger perspective on on things uh, case and also Rainer, of course you can add if you like, what does the world need most right now?
1: Wow, you know, uh, today uh, uh, we wake up in, uh, uh, in another war of the world. So, uh, let's first uh, recognize uh, what an unbelievable uh, difficult times we live. Uh, uh, if you think about Europe uh, uh, in war, uh, the Middle East uh, uh, exploding uh, once again. Uh, you know, if you uh, look at uh, poverty going up, Uh, You look at uh, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. You know, we are halfway uh, of uh, uh, 2010 to uh, um, uh, when we started. uh, We first set uh, the millennial goals uh, and then we created the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, As we said, we were halfway. Well, we are halfway again on these goals and we've only succeeded uh, uh, and complemented 15% of that. So let's start with the fact is that we are not in a good place. And, you know, whilst there is lots of initiatives uh, and lots of people who are talking and uh, really desire the best thing uh, for that, uh, it definitely is not the right place. If you look at governments, you know, uh, how many of uh, the government uh, ex-leaders are either in prison or uh, in, uh, in discussions around you know uh, 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 corruption it's just absolutely a a, a current reality which we don't desire in my view you ladder it up to climate change and inequality many of these things are actually ultimately linked uh, to that so the only thing what we can do i believe is to say you know uh, as my mother uh, started to say you know we need to put our talents, uh, our energy and our ability uh, to really serve society. We do it there where we can make the biggest impact. Uh, and that truly uh, is, in my view, mm-hmm. through business as a force for good, putting it at the core of your business model and then the system uh, and the flywheel can uh, can can work. But it is something uh, which uh, doesn't come from a good place. And so it needs urgent, urgent
0: action. And what is your advice to young people when they are making now choices to design their life work, given all this backdrop?
1: You want to go first, Ryan?
2: I would urge everyone to go to a slaughterhouse and also see how chickens are slaughtered and some of the other animals are slaughtered. I think it's horrendous how we farm animals and they're living creatures. They have Uh, you know they have intelligence they have uh, they have a soul they have uh, they have life Uh, so i think everyone should take a look at um uh, at that
1: yeah you know um uh, as uh, desmond tutu uh, said you know i'm an optimist uh, because i'm a prisoner of hope Uh, i actually uh, really uh, like that so And my hope comes uh, exactly to where uh, the core of your question comes. Uh, And that is, you know, uh, the generations to come, Gen Z, millennials, you know, let's first recognize is that uh, we are, you know, already, you know, on the side uh, that we are partly responsible for all this uh, and that we now really need to make sure is that we do our part uh, not to be you know uh, uh, the youngest of the old generation, but actually to be the older of the young generation and really help to be able to uh, to support them uh, in everything what is uh, uh, what is needed. So our role uh, is to be able to uh, really bring our experience and uh, our uh, network and uh, and infrastructure to be able to support younger people. And so what we, uh, uh, in my view, advise to the younger people, is to be able to say, you are uh, the ones who lead this. You are actually the ones who are responsible to take it forward and so lead uh, and we will support. So I think that is, you know, the key uh, message Uh, and uh, take responsibility and uh, therefore, you know, ultimately put them in the leadership position that we are actually the ones who can support and serve it.
2: And it was good good uh, case that you mentioned that tw- we all have 12 rep- uh, recipes, which are basically uh, all that we eat. So maybe we should encourage everyone to change at least one of those rep- uh, recipes to something plant-based and sustainable. And in that, then we would almost change 10% of of the system. So it's a few percent of our CO2 emissions as well. So... Uh,
1: yeah, Maybe. that could the,
2: be uh, an advice.
1: Yeah. So that's actually where, you know, uh, the uniqueness of this industry works. And so if you think about, you know, some industries will take longer to change. And, you know, there's huge infrastructure development needed. And uh, think about the uh, the energy transformation. Uh, but there's two things that really can shift fast, and that is capital. Capital can change from one second to the next, uh, and we need to have that uh, really to change. But the second point is is that consumers and consumers, uh, they can every day, every second, they continue to uh, be deciding uh, what they eat, and this is you know part of it is that uh, that to make that a conscious choice. Uh, into the right direction is uh, uh, absolutely the first uh, uh, thing. But the industry works is that actually the impact is unbelievably sizable because of just the power of numbers. Eight billion people, uh, and that is, uh, you know, uh, where the logic comes, and that is just changing one meal a day, you know, will change uh, the whole system. So that is basically uh, the biggest uh, recommendation. Uh, And that is just uh, one meal a day we change and that will help to change the world.
0: Okay, let me finish this dialogue by asking Rainier, what does the world need most right now, Rainier?
2: So we have multiple crises ongoing and a lot of them are linked to food. Climate change is linked to to food, our biodiversity issues and uh, also our health problems. So I do think... If we are just more conscious about what we're eating, where it's coming from, uh, what kind of ingredients is, I think we could live a longer and more happy life. We can improve uh, the planet um, and we can uh, improve the biodiversity. So food is one of the biggest problems that we have. And uh, It's the medicine we put uh, in our mouth every day. So uh, I think there's a huge upside by just making small changes and we all can do it. Great.
0: Great ending. Food is our medicine. Thank you so much. Thank you, Case. Thank you, René, for a great and very valuable conversation.
2: Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much.
0: This is Summa and Friends, the show that inspires and guides you on how we together can create a wiser future. Listen to unique leaders and experts exploring the challenges we are facing and revealing their stories about the solutions and how to get there. Episodes are released bi-weekly on your favorite podcast platform and the week after we release an in-depth blog article to help you capture the core ideas from the dialogues and how you can help move things forward summa and friends is a podcast for people with the courage to care for a wiser future to find out more you will find links and show notes on summa dot com slash podcast hey thanks for listening to the show we hope it has inspired you to reflect on what you can do to contribute. And to make it easy for you to find and listen to this show again, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And please share this episode with one person you know would benefit from hearing it. I'm Vesna Luka and you've been listening to Summa and & Friends. And until next time, live with purpose and be the change you want to see.